Francis is he's laying there nicely, nice and chill. Uh, yeah. Aesop is the one that wants the attention because he hates when I speak to any other human through electronic means. It doesn't matter whether it's a fucking phone call or if it's uh, one of these or one of our meetings. Well, if you yeah. think about it from the dog's perspective, he's probably like, why is he sitting in that chair and just talking to himself? Because right. they, yeah, can't, they can't com- comprehend, you know. Oh, yeah. You know what? What's if going it, on on the screen? They're pure if beings. Time, if a time traveler from like 1940... Uh, made its way to like say downtown dc and they just saw like somebody with earbuds in talking they would think that everyone was fucking schizophrenic <laughs> i say we have to send that person to the sanitarium anyway this is uh this is quite ops this is also the low life podcast and i am here with uh scum hi shadow link hey and Scott, why don't you introduce our very special guest? Yes, we have a wonderful guest today i've known him for a while he is a great author is craig lee gordon how you doing? Good stuff. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome to our our little uh, little corner of you know this fucking crazy universe. The void. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you've written a book. I have. Yes. Tell us. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay, so it is called Arvect. It was published about June last year. Um, it focuses mainly around uh, augmented reality and looks at it from um, from a cyberpunk perspective. And mm-hmm. so it focuses on there's like one main character called Tanis, and she's a kind of a, a black ops assassin. Um, yeah, she's got some pretty strong like Motoko Kusanagi vibes. Yeah, but that I, was. But I kept I kept picturing Tannis from Letterkenny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that actress would play this role really well. <laughs> probably, actually. I gotta say, it's probably like the most action packed novel because it immediately opens up and it's like this book does not care about you because it's immediately like <laughs> action, everything, violence. What's well, I'm like, what is happening? And yeah, the way to it. It, yeah, the it, way it starts out is very is extremely cinematic, and yes. yeah, yeah, very. I think sensory well, yeah, I mean, overloads are good. We're not going to talk about the plot all that no. much, but I do want to say I've gotten to about I'm going to say about 200 pages of it, and it once you get to that point, it really gave me some fucking expanse vibes, where it was like it had that sweeping nature because it opens up quite a bit and it has that sweeping nature of like a space opera, except it's, it's something else. Like it's definitely something else going on here. All right, okay. Again, not going to give it away, but there's just enough moving parts. There's a bunch of interested parties. We're all doing things. It doesn't stop moving. Yeah. That, that's and, interesting because I think, um, 
correct. It 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 is a, it is the most AR I've ever seen or heard or read about. Good. In the world. <laughs> yeah. Glad, yeah. I, that's why. Yeah, I'm glad the title's working out then. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I like. I was gonna point out that you know that Cyberpunk hasn't really seemed to uh, uh, cover like augmented reality too much, um, which is. Uh, I can only think of like besides besides your book, I can only think of maybe like four or five pieces of media that mm-hmm. actually cover augmented reality, and so that might represent the uh, uh, the largest danger to us as a population in this universe. Well, so, so especially the extent, especially the extent you put it. Could you like go more into that? Like, uh, like, <sighs> yeah, sure. So, yeah. so, so Tannis is as I said, like a black ops assassin. And she's, she works for a section called Section R, which is part of the, the government. And um, it's kind of like a worldwide part of the government because... Yeah, they're about... They're like uh, 12 states left, right? It's Yeah, it's kind of like it's working towards... Uh, which is the complete opposite the way in which the UK has gone with getting out of the EU. But it's it's basically it's it's getting towards the point where the world is getting towards being ruled as like a one world government. And oh wow, yeah, so I know a world... lot of people who would be fucking terrified of this. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones is just like <laughs> losing his mind. Yeah, and then uh, and part of that is so there's like twelve, there's like thirteen states. Like from all around the world, uh, which all have senators, um, which help police and like run the world. Um, mm-hmm. And one of those one of those senators is X, which is a fully formed um, AI. And X was originally brought in as um, as like a nanny AI. So the idea for that was that the singularity is is like something that hasn't been achieved it's something that's still quite scary if it's if it manifests itself um accidentally or without controls in place then it could cause untold damage to humanity so x was brought in as like a nanny ai but what happened was there was a a root server attack by some terrorists and that caused worldwide devastation bringing down Mm -hmm. the internet loads of problems and Mm -hmm it was kind of rushed into deployment to fix that problem and give oversight across uh, the internet. And then kind of, then it can kind of take over its position as a, a global AI nanny. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of this was com- was from a, a white paper that I read about this, this specific thing about what sort of controls could be put into place. So as long as it, it was a sufficiently intelligent AGI, so an artificial general intelligence of roughly... Mm-hmm human level intelligence um then it can be given rules and it can interact with humans and and the idea is that yeah it's it's kind of like the 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 13th senator of the world and and gaining Mm. that gaining that place as part of the world government is what caused the ai war which i don't really go into it's just kind of sort of side reference a couple of times um yeah. and tanis herself was is was in the ai war and her parents were killed in the war as well um and then slowly the world is transitioning towards giving x um singleton status where x itself will will have sole control over everything that's been happening in the world and everything that it's done up to the point when the book starts is been looking after humanity taking care of it fixing its problems 
Um, but my kind of style of writing is is it kind of, as you said yourself, it focuses on tennis itself to start off with, but then it grows wider and wider. And then you soon realize that what you're reading about is not actually what's going on. And mm -hmm. the style of writing that I've been kind of adopting as my own is, is it's almost like what the fuck is going on is kind of how I look at it where I'm mm -hmm. only, I, I don't like giving readers too much information so there's no there's not really any info dumps i don't tell you why anything's happening i don't tell you how the technology works it's right. all there to discover for yourself and i think that kind of immerses you into the story a lot more i think yeah. it actually very much succeeded at that yes um, very it, much it's it's a really rough trick in the opening pages to set something like this up in a way that isn't completely like off-putting like too much jargon could possibly get a reader to be like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to go south and I'm going to do something else. This was cool because it was just like, nah, I want to know what that cool word is. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you hang on long enough, you get the context clues and it starts making more and more sense. You're very evocative. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. really well described. I like where you place things in terms of uh, sensations and feelings. It was oh, really, thanks. it was really interesting. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's it, how I wanted to, sorry, just quick, that's how I wanted to approach some of the world building as well was that, so there's a bit, this, like, this is like right at the start story where basically Tannis, she's, she's suffered a psychotic episode in her past due to some mm -hmm. sort of past life trauma, which you can't quite remember. And yeah. uh, so she's been for something called neural profiling, which is part of what section R do is, so what's happening in the background, there's like, um, so X has been in control of the web, uh, acting as a nanny AI, protecting the internet from hackers. And what it's done is it's, it's, it's managed to get to a point where it's eventually put in enough controls uh, through the, the internet that hacking is then is now no longer possible. So what people have started doing is hacking people's brains directly. So you're getting people who are being dragged off the street, uh, dragged somewhere. They're having their, their scalp peeled away, drilled straight into their brain, um, and then secrets are being extracted, and then secrets are being kind of sold, or people's bank accounts are being uh, emptied, and all their assets are being taken. And all of this is hidden away from the public because... Um, they still want to, the government themselves still want to try and make sure that X is seen as being trustful. And the, yeah. the idea, the whole, yeah. yeah, so the whole idea why Section R was set up was to try and um, contain this issue. And they use something called instancing technology, which mm -hmm. if you've played a, a, any sort of MMO where you've got like a dungeon instance, that's basically where that idea came from. But mm -hmm. if you imagine it allows you to create a pocket of reality where if you imagine if you're immersed in an augmented reality world and everything around you was based on what you could see but that was all being fed into your sort of brain by the arvect which is built into your head so proper wetware technology so you know you've got full augmented reality spread all around the world everything that you interact with is by touch by sort of touch but not it doesn't really exist because it's all augmented in front of you. And right. this instant instance in technology, if you imagine if you were in a room and you got switched to an instance, the instance could make it look like there was things in the, in the room which were missing. 
because uh-huh. then it replaces what you're actually what's actually happening in reality which with what the r vector is telling your brain and they can they basically use section r use this technology for doing infiltration so tanis when she's trying to rescue brain hack victims x is running these instances where it's basically if you imagine you've got a room and then it switches what you're seeing as if you're still in the room and it switches that to an instance and then she can walk through the room undetected because right. X because is still showing you your brain what you were seeing before and it's not showing oh. you the fact that Tannis is like walking through the room and right. that's, the, that's the tech that they're using to kind of help protect the people who've been taken off the streets by the hackers. But as I say, all of this is kind of hidden. And then the other secondary character is one of the senators and Senator Valen, who's like a U.S. senator, and he slowly starts discovering some of this sort of stuff. And that's mm-hmm. that's like a bit of a side plot, which kind of gets explored as well. Yeah, right. I like the uh, it's kind of like that old 80s trip where like somebody's infiltrating a building. So they do a loop of a like security camera that like yeah. put a tape in so it just looks like nothing's there and they just yeah, walk through it. it except it's everything it's fully immersive and it's around right. you yeah and it's just yeah, yeah. yeah it's it, oh man it, it it's not overwhelming it's just that it's perceived as overwhelming just because of how artificial the world the world around you is and you and mm-hmm. you, you you just the first few pages you set that up nicely of just like yeah. Godzilla advertisements just coming out of like full immersion, like advertising yeah, everywhere, like that. rain, rain. That's not like plant life that looks like plants, but it's like, there hasn't been plants in London and like, who knows how long you like, it's all the sea life. That's just like, floating the sea. Through the streets. <laughs> took me right back to that guns and roses video. I'm telling you. <laughs> like yeah, dolphins it's, in the it's street. Really, it's, ter- it's fascinating and terrifying. And I've never seen a world set up quite like this, where it's, just so absolute like the instances thing is really what got me like the fact that like i've, uh, I've budgeted the movie at 350 million dollars um, <laughs> <laughs> who would you get to play the lead or who would play tannis probably that actress that plays tannis because i just couldn't get her face out of my head the whole time <laughs> yeah she was really well, she was really good in possessor maybe this is her big break Let's yeah maybe happen. she has to um, put on some muscle but you know I know, she'd be all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then for uh, the senator, let's see. I don't know. I had a few that would like pop up, but like Jack Lemon's dead. Um, <laughs> that's a problem. Sure. I like I was thinking of him and you know, playing Gary Glenn Ross, like specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Willem Dafoe. Mm, yeah, that might work. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Because like, he's just great and everything. And just William Dafoe playing a Russian man. That'd Man, after you know, after after the lighthouse, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's so many other roles, but like, shit. <laughs> I Look, watch yeah, that movie yeah. with subtitles on. And... Anyhow, yes. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Questions? I have them. Mm-hmm. So when you pop, oh, we should we should address this. Um, we keep losing Shadowlink. That's why uh, yeah, yeah. He keeps ducking in and out. I think he's having a connectivity issue. We're going to keep talking and hope he makes it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn questions. They are good ones. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we'll keep was, it going. So yeah. yeah. Shoot, shoot a question. What was your experience publishing it? Because this is a small publication. This is something you put out into the world, and I just, I'm just always interested in like people's experience trying to go through it themselves, and because the world has changed considerably trying to publish things. Mm-hmm. Like even when I was in college back 
in the stone age it was like considered like you know i'm talking about like starting and publishing thing and everyone thought that was really scummy of me <laughs> um so you know one of the last times i talked where i said the problem i have is Sometimes it's difficult to tell you a story without going back into like reams and reams of backstory. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do that, okay? Okay. So, <laughs> so, so basically, what happened was, um, oh, this is sorry, right? Okay, this is going way back. So, uh, I was basically at university doing computing when I was like 18 and hating it and just <laughs> uh, just wishing like I was banging my techno when i was younger i used to love going clubbing and oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, i was basically at a, at a friend's house everyone else was asleep coming down off acid and then just thinking oh like if i could just do anything i wanted what would i what would i do and then it was almost like a like an epiphany of why don't i just become a music producer and then so i followed <laughs> like Try, basically spent 10 years trying to get into writing techno. I just wasn't very prolific at all and eventually kind of gave it up. And then it got to the it's point long. where, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then because of just got this like urge to create stuff and I wasn't really doing stuff. So I ended up doing like DJ mixes just, and it, was, it wasn't like live mixes. It was like sequenced mixes in Ableton, but I love doing that, like deconstructing waveforms and putting them back together and oh, yeah. making, yeah. making oh, yeah. some, some crazy sort of shit. And then because I've always loved computer games and loved gaming, I was like, oh, well, I want to do something creative again. I want to try and give it a shot and maybe do it full time instead of being a business analyst, which is what I am. Um, and then it was like, oh, well, I can either try and write a computer game or I can write a book. And stupidly, I thought, oh, well, I know how to write. I'll just start writing a book. So I had, because I, I, I cycled back and forwards to work all the time, it just right. gave, us, it gave us loads of opportunity to kind of think of an idea. And yeah. I know we said we weren't yeah. going to go into plot spoilers, but basically that's when I started. I had an idea about what if, and then that's when I started uh, reading those papers and just doing a bit of investigation. And one of the the, the core one that the whole book story is based around is that paper, which is should humanity build a global AI nanny to delay the singularity until it's better understood. And that's the whole basis of how X happened. Yeah. And X, X is the character that came first. And then I basically spent mm. seven months uh, cycling to and from work, thinking of just if this happened, then that would happen. Oh, but then if that would happen, then this would happen. And just kind of all constructed in my head and then yeah. doing like little diagrams and thinking about things and what if that happened and all this sort of stuff. And I did a timeline. And that's, that's the best kind of high concept science fiction, I think, is when you find something like a, an event that would create this massive domino effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. And when you have finally finished the book, I'll tell you what the what if was. And <laughs> hopefully it's obvious <laughs> by the time you get to end of it, by the end by the time you Man, get the end of I, it, but we'll see. I am just terrified. <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, I'm reading yeah, it yeah. and I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be a horror book. Horror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Many, no, on many yeah. levels, not just one yeah, level. That yeah that, that fucker really takes a turn around page 200 man like it was just like whoa okay okay buddy i'm gonna have a little talk before we record are you all right everything all right you know, like, i love yeah. the image too and i'm not gonna give it away because it's gross and i love it no yeah. actually, i'm glad you like it man 
Yeah, oh, I really it's, it's really fucking fun, man. This is a this is a good time. I like this little universe you're putting together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wait, wait. Well, um, like I missed a little bit of that. Did we talk about uh, like what what gave you the inspiration for augmented reality? No, not so. I'll I'll just I'm just going into a bit about how I started writing the book a bit first. Shall I? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, okay, I'll just okay, kind of yeah. <laughs> so no, no. So, so that that's when I started doing a timeline, and it was all about so. I think, and again, I mentioned this before. I didn't haven't got loads of experience from of cyberpunk from a literary perspective. Like I've only really read Neuromancer, but my whole mm-hmm. my whole childhood was, you know, um, Battlestar was Star Wars to start off with, and then it yeah. slowly morphed into just cyberpunk being the thing that I latched onto more than anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, watching watching Robocop when I was like twelve, and yes. then yeah. seeing things Formative. like yeah, exactly, <laughs> like you know. My child was basically like 14, 6 to 16, 18 was just stuff like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, Cyberpunk, oh, yeah. City, 808, and yeah. uh, Strange Days was a massive inspiration. Even stuff like oh, this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Existence, like that sort of thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's a deep cut. Yeah. Nobody sure. we're gonna, we are going to have to cover that one. Yeah, yeah that one totally got... Well, that one got kind of drowned out. It came out around the same time, I think, as like the 13th floor, but then the Matrix. Yeah. So, no, like, well, it, it came buried. out around the same time as like every movie that was tackling uh, simulation theory, essentially. Uh, yeah, Dark, yeah. City. Dark City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it got buried. <laughs> I love that. That was a good era, though. It was. That was, that was a good couple of years where like every month you could go see a fucking good movie. Uh, yeah. No but no, I feel that. I feel that, especially the Strange Days thing. I can't believe people don't talk about that movie more. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Mostly, Mm-hmm. It's so fucking hard to find a stream. Like you can't. You'd have to get it from oh, like hey, a hey, or hey, big big shout out to uh to uh action button reviews who uh they they mentioned uh strange days a couple times. Oh, how, can you, how can you not? Yeah. Well in America it's hard to find. I don't know if it's hard in other places, but we yeah. have a hell of a time trying to hunt it down. Yeah. And then and then you got stuff like um still on the films like stuff like total recall it was obviously like yep, a big yep, inspiration yep. so it's kind of and that, that's yeah. the sort of stuff that i try to marry together and from reading loads of warhammer 40k and <laughs> you know a, a scanner darkly being one of my favorite kind Hell of books yeah. it was it was trying to marry marry together like insane intense action and yeah. <laughs> like yeah. fucked up alternative reality what the fuck's going on yeah uh, and almost trying to build this world that was on the outside, it seemed like a utopia, but actually it's a dystopia and nobody actually realizes. And Tannis is the only one who realizes, but the gist of the book is, is it really happening or is it just her psychosis returning? And yeah. that's that, that's like the first part of the book. And then I think that's what, you know, what happens towards the middle is where that's where it starts really unfolding. Yeah, and I, then I, I, and <laughs> you did like alternate reality squared. It's like how many layers of like what base... level of inception are you on? Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like how many tape tape loop brain fucks are going on here at this point? Yeah. Exactly. Well, that, that's Very the fun platonic. thing is it's not hard to follow. Yeah. No, it's really like, well, that, like I said, it's very it's very cinematic. You it's, always have a very not, clear image of what's going on. I appreciate yeah. that, though. It's really yeah. it, the tr- the transitions from like moment to moment when you have breaks and chapter to chapter is like f- seamless. It's really good. Yeah. Like it and flows I'm, really well. I'm also I I want to say that I also really appreciate how it's structured because a lot of dystopian films uh, <laughs> focus 
well, specifically like teen dystopia stuff focuses entirely on like figuring out that the world that you live in is a lie. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas there's a lot of other dystopian stuff that uh, is like, oh yeah, it's all terrible right now. And uh, and what I appreciate about this book is that you take you take a uh, you take a significant portion of the book to explore that whole am i going crazy or is everything else just fucked um and pacing. you juxtapose really that pacing. with like mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's what I'm, what I'm trying to say so yeah and i tell you um some sp- specific scenes from terminator 2 were a really <laughs> big inspiration mm-hmm. for that sort of stuff is you know all, just all the bit where like sarah connor's like going mental and that they're, they're showing her yeah. the um yeah. showing her the video footage of her going insane and i used some of that sort of stuff to try and mm-hmm. you know kind of think in my head about you know what would tanis be going through and, it, and even some of the research that i did i know i mentioned before last time i talked to it it was like doing a lot of research into brain waves and how, how the brain works and, yeah. you know, knowing every part of the brain and what it does and what it's for. And I had like a full table for, you know, when she's, when she's receiving sort of brain damage, you know, there's a bit where she falls over at the start of like the first chapter and she can't put her arms out to stop herself. And that's mm-hmm. because there's a particular part of the brain where, when it, get, where it gets damaged, you lose motor control of your arms and you can't actually do anything. Oh. <laughs> mm. nice. but I, I hear you can uh, simulate the experience with Buckfast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've only heard legends. I'm, I'm coming over there to try it at some point. <laughs> no, no, you're spot on. Yeah. Definitely a couple of bottles of Bucky will sort you right out. And then, <laughs> so a lot of it was just a lot, like before I started writing, a lot of it was just doing all of this sort of research and even even doing things like um, finding case studies of people who suffer from psychosis and they're all like anonymized and stuff, but like reading through how people, um, what their perceptions are of their psychosis and what they hear and what happens to them. And again, it's just, just trying not to put, any of that on the page but doing all of the research up front so that when you're actually writing about it it kind of comes through the words that's yeah. that's been that's been my kind of approach but mm. as far as yeah. as far as writing it itself goes so basically what happened i had all these ideas spent seven months planning it structuring it did like big diagrams and everything did a timeline kind of wrote loads of notes and then then just started writing it and i got about sixty thousand words in and then just kind of freaked out that I, I was like, oh, I don't even know what I'm doing. Am I writing the right thing? Is it structured in the right way? And uh, just that's when you start getting more into the the writing side of things. And then sort of start seeing people online talking about doing like master's programs and MFAs in oh. sort of creative writing. And then mm-hmm. and then, so, and then reading a lot of people were saying, well, actually, it didn't actually help you write a book. It just taught, all it taught you was how the teacher would want to write a book. And even then science fiction wasn't really accepted as part of like creative writing classes and stuff oh, like that. Yo, oh, like, Greg, oh, buddy, Greg, we went Sc- through that. Scum and I. Oh, uh, did you? Well, no, we were pretty lucky. We got lucky. Because we were at the turning we had, point. Yeah. We had teachers who fucking defended science fiction and to uh, this right. day do. Yeah. Like we had, uh, you know, we had Mort Castle. Yep. Um, shout out this, to Mort. Oh, shout out to Mort. He, it's always funny. Uh, like I follow him on Facebook and he's always posting like versions of his novels that are getting reissues in Poland. <laughs> and he's really popular in Poland. He's I, huge in Poland. Like, it's fucking great. I love him so he's much. A horror, I took he's a, like three of his classes. He does horror, uh, historical stuff. Like he's just an amazing writer, but he always put the impetus on you. 
Yeah, like, that was important. He, he wouldn't the tell one. you how yeah. to mm-hmm. write at all. And that was kind of like they had a they had a method, like the story workshop method was like their big trademark thing that uh, uh, John. Oh, my God. Who was our fucking Dean guy? He was Don't awesome. Worry. Don't worry about it. The yeah, point is, that, is that they had the this method is like he was the first one to like tell you, OK, you're wrong. And here's why mm-hmm. you're wrong. And here's the grammar. Like here's like style guides that you should be following for grammar and whatnot. Like he was the first one to like you need to be an editor if you're going to be a writer. And like, right. Yeah. And, like, and and think and you need to still be a reader. Yeah. yeah. Like read. Would, yeah, yeah. You need to read shit. You, you know, know you got to constantly yeah. like basically it's a feedback loop. And we had this thing where like when, when we would be in class where we wouldn't talk shit, like it was all about what worked. Yeah. So you would talk about something that was strong in a story, whether it was like a published piece or something that your like fellow student wrote. And it, it was, it engendered this very interesting, like creative push. You didn't have yeah. competitors anymore. You always have that one asshole that thought you, they were like, you know, trying to beat you at the game or something like that. But everybody else was like, nah, I mean, I want to see you fucking eat, you know? <laughs> you know, that, that, that raises an interesting question from America over here in the UK. It's like how, how like, so science fiction wasn't real, like any, like what was accepted in circles? Because I always assume that like in other places, like science fiction and horror and whatnot was a little bit more accepted a few years ago than it is now like what was it still like looked down upon uh in the uk well i guess well the uk had its own kind of unique brand of sci-fi didn't it really because you've got like doctor who going back to yeah. black and white television days and, and it was 60 all, years it was always that yeah yeah it was always that like more of a, a low budget approach but um yeah. like high concept yeah yeah mm-hmm but uh, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for what it was like um, from a writing or perspective because we didn't do anything like that in school at all. So yeah, I mean, wow. yeah, like one of the problems I had a little bit when I started writing was I can't remember whether I just didn't pay any attention in class or never really learned it. But even even what a noun was and what a verb was and what an adjective was and all that sort of stuff. Like I, I never really paid any attention to that. So I had to like, I had to relearn all of this sort of stuff. So, you know, <laughs> start talking to my editor or start talk, you're talking to like the proofreader and she's like, Oh, you know, you can't have a preposition clause phrase, bloody blah, blah next to her. What's it? And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I've literally got no idea what you're talking about. So yeah, it did feel I, like a bit of an imposter at certain points. Cause you're like, well, I've just written a book, but, as far as hey. syntax and structure, oh, yeah, yeah, you got further you than I ever have. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I was going to say you're talking to the right podcast because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like that every day. I got a folder over there that's called the it's a it's the title of the work graveyard, and um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to release the title of the work because I'm still using that title. But like, yeah, it's a graveyard that's full of I don't know, maybe fucking a gig of writing that I'm just not going to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no I mean, like. I, I I went into this game wanting to be a creative writer, and now I'm a podcaster. And yeah, every day I'm like, do I do I really know how to do this? Am I really good at this? <laughs> we all have, we all have like the weird imposter syndrome kind of thing. I think we. Oh yeah. Like, well, you, you talked to, you talked about it before, Craig, of like hitting the wall. You know, mm-hmm. like you what tri- do you do when you hit the wall specifically? What what is your uh, what um, is your your ritual? I've never hit a wall. Um, oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> so, and, what are you talking about, scum? You just made me look like a dipshit. <laughs> nice setup. Good job. You're welcome. <laughs> well, you know, so, 
when you hit all that and you start having doubts, that's the wall, right? Well, ah, to, like... to be honest, um, well, okay. I, just give us two seconds because I'm absolutely boiling hot. I'm just going to take my jumper off a second. Give us a second. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Oh, that's how I feel every time I do this. I'm sweating mm-hmm. profusely. Mm-hmm. You have a shirt on? I have a tank top on. Right, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, okay. All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I'll, I'll quickly, I'll quickly go on a, a tangent about start on the book and meeting Harry, who's my editor, and Hell then yeah. that'll lead on answering the question about self doubt and overcoming it because he was right. amazing at helping me do that. So, so, so I got sixty thousand words in, freaked out, wasn't sure what I was doing, looked into like should I do an MFA that sort of shit, decided no, doesn't sound like a good idea, and then. I just started searching for, then you start getting into the, well, what is the process? What should you be doing? Like what, what actually comes next after writing the first draft? And then that's when I started discovering about um, developmental editors. And then you were down the path of, oh, then you were getting, you know, finding information about what self-publishing is and what traditional publishing is and what the difference is between the two. And I hadn't really decided which way to go, but I knew that I needed to get an editor first to try and help me sort out the novel before I went too far. So I found, so basically I found Harry online and um, he'd actually set up him and this other guy, Nick. So Nick was like the business brains and Harry was the creative brains and they mm-hmm. set up uh, a, a kind of a, hmm. a system where it was it's like pay, you pay you paid money towards uh, doing like a, it was almost like a course but you didn't you didn't it wasn't like lessons and stuff what you actually did is you wrote a novella at the same time as doing the course so it's basically broken down into chunks and it would okay. set you it would say right. something at the start where it was like okay the first thing you do is do this and it took you through and it lasted it lasted like a good few weeks i'm sure it was like you were writing between three thousand and five thousand words a week and it, uh-huh. must, it must have lasted about 12 to 14 weeks and at the end of it you basically ended up with a novella and what yeah, I did yeah. is I set it. I set it in the in the world that I'd written the book in, and okay. um, and it's it's finished, but it's not out yet. And it it actually covers Vane from the novel. You yeah, might not okay. have you might not have met fully yet. Um, not to give any spoilers. And <laughs> so, I, so I basically <laughs> did did that course, and then after I finished the course, I basically just got back in touch with Harry and said, oh, look, I've written this book. Can you help me with it? And then he agreed to do developmental editing. So he sent us a sample of the sort of stuff that he did. And what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to go out to like, you know, three, four, five, six developmental editors, get some feedback from them on your manuscript. Uh, and then you go through all the comments and you see which one's the best one. And then you choose which one that you want to work with. And actually, what I, because we'd already, I'd already been through the course and I thought he was really good, uh, I basically just went with Harry and I've been working with him ever since. And nice. um, that's where I think, I think I might have sent them the first 60,000 words. And he was like, yeah, this seems okay. Just keep on going with it. And then it went tits up um, after that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, shit. So, um, <laughs> so, so I kind of continued writing that. And at the same time as I was writing Arvex, um, that's when I started deciding that I was definitely going to do self-publish and go that route. 
and then yeah. that's when a, that's when a lot of um it was becoming more and more popular and there was a guy there's a guy called Nick Stevenson who kind of pioneered this thing called um reader magnets mm-hmm. and uh that's where what you do is you create something small or you do a book and you set it as free mm. and then you use that to entice readers on your mail list so you're giving readers something for free they give you your they give you their email address and that puts them on your mailing list and it okay. means that they're on your mailing list and it means that then when your book comes out you've got this audience pre-prepared right. um yeah who will hopefully already like your writing and will be up for buying the book. And uh, so I emailed my readers like once a month. So the problem I'm, I made was that I didn't really think it through at the start. And what I should have done is I should have written Hypercage as the reader magnet for Arvect. But what I actually did, I was in too much of a hurry and I didn't really think it through. So I wrote a, short story for a competition to do with the it's uh art. it was some sort of well-being foundation competition in the uk and that's when i wrote transmit so that was the first thing that i actually published but because okay. the comp i've re- it was had to be under three thousand words and it got knocked back from the competition and mm. i used that as a reader magnet for finding readers but it was kind of space opera yeah sort of it was more it was more classical sci-fi with mm. a kind of space opera twist not gonna hear me complain yeah but, no. but as, as far as, <laughs> uh, well i'll send it but as as far as like oh, priming yeah. readers for um for what you're going to uh, release basically I, I went from finding loads of readers i got like uh, i've got like 101 reviews on goodreads off the short story yeah, and it's great. you know it's 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 rated really really highly and i'm really proud of it but it didn't right on, do me yeah. any favors in priming my readers for arvect because you've got this kind of yeah it's uh, it's still quite dark i mean i basically kill uh basically kill everyone in the world good. in the short right story on. you know it's Why is? yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> but but then it's but then like tldr <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, but then leading into Arvex, it didn't really do us any favors as a as a as a lead into yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I pivoted a few times, and then I had another couple of things out, and I used some of the concepts from Arvex to write other things. And one of the other things that I wrote was um, Bad Hands, which is that's mm-hmm. more of a that's kind of like a cyberpunk um, techno kind of dystopian thriller as well about a fascist a fascist state who are misappropriating augmented reality tech for nefarious means can't I mean, imagine yeah <laughs> i wonder what that's like. what that yeah <laughs> with a, um basically with a trumpian figure who has um who's refused to give up office and has been entrenched in office for like years and years so basically he's just it's just a, That's quite a reach, Craig. I don't yeah. know, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that could ever happen. It's, yeah. yeah, weird. Uh. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah. So then, getting onto the point where you're asking about like blockers and stuff. So n- never really experienced like writer's block. I never, I never, I never don't know what to write. But as far as almost thinking that. I wanted to give up on a story was a 
one that I wrote, which is called Theatre of Death. And that's a, a happy, lovely story where um, humanity has been reduced to only providing creative entertainment for AI and mm. kept, basically <laughs> um, <laughs> kept in happy, servitude. <laughs> happy to pay the bills, man. Like, uh, where do I apply yeah, really? for this wonderful fucking fantasy job? You <laughs> for like how long? And I like I didn't even do this. I'm like that sounds awesome. Yeah, that does sound good. But um, it, because I loved because I like as as I said because I love techno and I wanted to be a music producer. I wanted to bring music into it. So this the story is all about this guy called Kel who gives this performance, and it's all about whether because if you don't if you don't please the AIs, they basically squish you into blood and bones, and that's it. You're dead. Um, <laughs> And then if you, if you please them, you go through you go through this like archway into what's supposed to be a utopian um, paradise, which is which is what they sell to you. And unsurprisingly, that might not be the case. Um, but I, it was it was kind of marrying um, Kel given this performance where he could control music and he could control light and he could basically give this sort of almost like a VJ performance, but him yeah. himself be able to do it. And right, right. I got uh, I got to I wrote the first draft and it was a right mess and Harry tore it to pieces and I just remember the first few times getting in because you get the point where you finish the first draft and you think oh this is this is really really good and then yeah. then you're like oh is it though isn't it just a lot of crap no no it is good it is good no no it's not and then like it's <laughs> I've got like a whole file cabinet of that bud I feel you <laughs> yeah no I. Ooh. It's like as soon, as soon as you as soon as you hit the send button where you're sending the draft to to like oh your my editor. god I just made a terrible mistake yeah exactly <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're, you're constantly like flip flopping between it's amazing it's shit it's amazing it's that's shit why, that's why well, I'm curious yeah. does uh is does does Kel utilize uh what would be to an AI the equivalent of the brown note. <laughs> <laughs> I now want to know what that is. Um, <laughs> I did think about including the brown note, but I thought that yes, might have been yes. pushing it too far. No, no, this is this is my advice. I go go that way. <laughs> well, I was like, I always like to tell people we were like wanting to write, like, um, for example, um, our more recent article about um, carbon and silicon. The writer is you know, English is a second language for him. And he wasn't sure to like give us this thing because it's all in French. And I'm like, no, like I always try like for anything, it's like, just do the thing. Just write it. Like, don't, it don't worry about it. Like give it yeah, a name. Make like, the content and then we'll worry about the rest. Yeah, no, it's like, don't, don't have doubts. Like I know you're going to have them. Me saying that means nothing. Like <laughs> we literally, we literally edited that, uh, that article with Google translate, by the way. like a mixture of Google translate and your common sense of like, this sounds, this sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I not any complaints yet. Cause I'm like, I'm just looking at it like, uh, huh. Well, like, it uh, makes sense. Hopefully, hopefully it, uh, taps into what the, nostalgia. the writer. Yeah. Well, nostalgia. what the writer was talking about. I don't. Um, yeah, yeah. No. It, 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 the point is, is like, yeah. It's do the thing, send it in. Don't like you're gonna worry about it. Like that. Yeah. yeah me yeah, saying so not to means gotta, nothing. Well, exactly. And compared to when I used to write music, 
the problem I always find was I could just keep going and going and in this in the pursuit of perfection and never mm-hmm. achieving it. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, yeah. I've, I've spent like a year making like one track and it, it's it's okay, yeah. but it, you know, it's not the most amazing tune in the world. And I would never yeah. be able to survive doing that full time if if I took yeah. you know yeah. twelve months to make every single tune. And the thing yeah. that I find about the writing process and working with Harry is that obviously. I mean, obviously, I don't need to tell you there's a start and an end to a story, but it's like what? you basically do, you know, I do like the first draft and then I review it and then you edit it. And then it just gets to a point where, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to think, oh, this is perfect because that's what Harry's for. And right. when I yeah. send him a piece, I know that he's going to absolutely shred it. He's going to mm-hmm. point out things that are really good. And the way in which he approaches his editing, it's it's almost like he makes you think all the time and he makes he puts the onus back on you to learn yeah. and understand what the problems are and to fix them yourself. So he yeah. sometimes he, he mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily even tell you He'll just tell you what the problem is, but he doesn't tell you how to fix it. So he's not leading right, yeah. you by the hand. Yeah. And the good thing about well, that is thing. it does it does bring on your knowledge really, really quickly about how to write a story. Yeah. Well, that's that's the importance of like no like being a reader in the editing process mm-hmm. is you know it's always better to have another set of eyes because I always I get better. like script blindness to my mm-hmm. own shit after a while where I just I'll skip over that paragraph and it'll have seventeen fucking misspellings in it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, don't see it anymore. But when <laughs> I if I give it to somebody, I want them to pick it apart because if it doesn't make sense to you, then I'm not doing my job. You know. So, like, yeah, I think I think that's that's like the biggest obstacle to all aspiring writers is getting past that whole, uh, getting like getting over yourself, essentially, uh, being able to accept, uh, criticism in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it was just cause I'm, you know, I was quite a bit older by the time, you know, I'd finished the first draft and all started finishing like transmit and send it. And Mm -hmm. maybe it was because while I was writing Arvex, I'd written Transmit, and then I did Theater of Death, and then mm-hmm. I did Hypercage, and then I did um, was that, and then I did The Machine, and so I've, so by the time that came, by the time I actually released the novel, I'd been through the whole process, and yeah. like what I was saying that Harry really helped with was like especially with Theater of Death was I got to a point where I was like I don't even I said to him I don't even know if I can finish this I don't know if I'm good enough and he basically just said you've damn well set yourself a challenge rise to it and that mm-hmm. made us really kind of take a step back and think okay I can do this how am I going to restructure the story how am I going to fix it and but when I finally sent him the you know the completed draft he was like yep yeah, well like well done that's amazing you've managed to fix all the problems with it and that yeah. that, that really really yeah. builds your confidence yeah um yeah yeah i mean getting yeah. getting that kind of feedback is important but you know 100%. a lot of people have to work up to get to that sometimes yeah. uh, i mean i've i've edited like there's this, this one i'm not going to get into it because probably doesn't want but there was this one thing that was submitted to me and on um, through neon dystopia and it was this really really good article about all the like all these things i wanted like we haven't been talking about at that time we weren't talking about too much about like mm-hmm. gender and all these other things and i'm like oh this is awesome but the thing is like again english second language so i had to tear it up a bit and his structure was a little off so i gave him like you know a lot of suggestions a lot of stuff and sent it back to him never heard from him again all right okay that's a shame and it happens like you know yeah yeah yeah. rule number one is well like 
first of all, the, the cure for imposter syndrome, because it's going to happen to you, even if you know this, but it's always good to remember that like the thing you bring into the table, isn't that like the story you're working on is necessarily, you're always going to find an inspiration. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. somebody There's else's nothing stuff. original on the face of the earth, but right. that's not yeah. to say that the way that you assemble the, way the pieces, you assemble the pieces yeah. is going to exactly. be unique. Your yeah. voice is the thing that's unique. The yeah, one yeah, that exactly. you choose to look at in a description is going to be unique. Like all of those things are what make every attempt and like, you know, successful or otherwise of just publishing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, You've climbed a fucking mountain. Yeah. Good job. Well, I'm 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 proud of you, Craig, for you know being able to take that kind of criticism. I mean, again, like you yeah. said, maybe it's part part age. Like you know, once you get to your 30s, you're just like, oh, you read something that I wrote. Thank you so much. You hated it. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I I appreciate taking the time, man. I yeah. I'm gonna put out Thank some you. fucking Thank bullshit you. first. <laughs> like me, 19 in college, being like, what do you mean? but see that's what put me off when i was younger with yeah. writing music because yeah. so there was a yeah. there was a guy called suede who was like a local dj and he was quite well known locally and i gave him like one of my tunes and he was just like well it just sounds like jeff mills i'm like oh, oh really oh, but... and he's like yeah i mean all it does is it just it, you know it doesn't really do much and What's that, wrong that, with Jeff Mills? Oh, He's well, literally one of the greatest fucking DJs on the planet. If, <laughs> if you've never watched the fucking movie Exhibitionist, where it's him on three turntables on a fucking Vestax three track, it's just like two camera shots, like from outside the storefront and looking straight down. It is. It's yeah, a clinic. Um, he was called it's the Wizard clinic. for a reason, you know. Yes. Oh my God, he's so good. I, I, that's a compliment, man. So, to, but that really put me off, and I think, I think with age and with you know with hindsight and experience it's like well, well I'm you not realize gonna, I'm not... you realize they didn't mean that personally and that's what a lot of people what gets yes. into people's heads a lot is they think that people are saying these things to like personally hurt you or something yeah. or yeah. they're just being insensitive but they're actually trying to help you Maybe they are mean, being insensitive yeah. but like well like sometimes gotta, it's like that thick skin is better better. better to hear it from someone who's criticizing your work than to hear it from some fucking from some you know YouTube schmuck or yeah. some random in- internet commenter. I can't you wait till yeah. I and can't then... wait till we have YouTube schmucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I'm good with that. And that's know. what you're that's what you're paying for as well. You know, you're paying yeah. you're paying to be criticized. You're not paying yeah. for someone to tell yeah. you it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's what's the point? And if if anyone yeah. if anyone's kind of if anyone wants to go through our process to learn and um get over that imposter syndrome then i I can highly recommend doing a short story because it's one it's short it's achievable within quite a short time frame and if if you approach it like you were uh, publishing a full novel and actually get it out there and get readers to see it then so what so you, you can finish the draft edit yourself do the best you can realize that you can get to a point and you can act as all the other phases that come after you write in the first draft that you think is complete as a crutch mm-hmm. to getting it out. Mm-hmm. So you've got mm-hmm. your developmental editor who will go backwards and forwards and make sure that that is as good as possible. Then you've got a copy editor, which is the next phase, which is all about syntax and sentence structure. And when I was working with Laurie on all of my novels and short stories, she's the one who kind of helps make the sentence structure shine and make like helps make mm-hmm. sure it's not too clunky and then the final final person is where i work with a, a, a lady called abby 
who I knew from school, and um, she's a proofreader. So you've got that final part yes. of the proofreading process. And yeah. yeah, fair enough for a short story, you probably wouldn't pay a cover artist to do something because you're not going to pay 400 quid for something you're going to either give away for free or give away for like 90, well, sell for 99 yeah, pence. Yeah. But you, you, you could mm-hmm. theoretically if you want, yeah. if you True. if you had that cash. And that, that's the thing that you've got to th- think of for self-publishing is basically you are your own ceo of your right to self and you've got mm-hmm. to approach the whole the whole process with a business critical eye and under, mm-hmm. and make sure that you go through all the same phases that a traditional publishing house would go through achieve the same quality and by the time you get a product out at the end it's done exactly the same thing that a traditional publishing house has done except there's been no gatekeepers the only gatekeepers yeah. to say whether or not it's good enough are the readers at the end and yeah, you can absolutely yeah, and you can work on that. Yeah. That actually that goes into my right. second question, funny enough, is like in an alternate reality, would if you like do you even think this would go through a big publisher? And would you even want have wanted to? Like if like like let's say you took like weird acid that one time and just like you thought <laughs> just like let's shoot this to tour real quick, see what they do. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I really I don't know. It'd be interesting to work out because like is it is it on on a par from a cyberpunk perspective with something like altered carbon would someone would would a publishing house have picked it up i really don't know and but then, yeah, but then you look can, at all right go ahead no no i was just because then you get you know you hear all them stories like um jk rowland turned down by every single publishing house for harry yeah. potter hmm. and, and and then that's that's what makes you think well and it's the it's the time as well so it's like you know, yeah. it could take mm-hmm. you like two or three years to find an agent, submit a manuscript, get some feedback, and you're going over and over and over this sort of process. Mm-hmm. And then even when it's even when you've gone through that bit, then you then you're losing control and you're losing control for the bits the traditional publishing help you with. Right. And maybe yeah. it gives you a bit of a G up at the end, but then you even then mm-hmm. you, you see Unless it's unless it's a hotly contested title that's been bid over by multiple houses, then mm-hmm. You still don't get any marketing assistance. You know they're mm. not going to throw loads of money behind you. So right. then you're like, well, what? And then you know your royalties are like nothing. Well, it's um, like it's like the old music business. Like before streaming hit, all they did was that they would hide, they'd sign a hundred acts, but they'd make all their money on three. Yeah, yeah. and that yeah. would pay for you know all the flops that they put out on top of it all. What's the thing that I'll just probably wait a long. That's the thing that but, you know. Uh, like, yeah, I keep going. <laughs> No, that's that's it. That's just my point. Oh, is that yeah. This cuts out the middleman, and you know it's different from like when we were in school, and they, this wasn't like we mentioned before. This wasn't the way to go. It seemed like a, a like a like a vanity project. Yes. And now it's like, no, yeah. this is a fucking viable way to do this yeah. shit, so you don't have to mess around a dick with all these people yeah. who are ultimately going to steal your IP. Oh yeah, yes. you know? yeah, yeah, pretty much steal it and sell it to some fucking. Uh, I mean, that's how you make money, but like steal yeah. it and sell it to some. Disney, probably. I mean, all part I want to write a yeah. bad book that's very successful that I have no love for. That, that's like the <laughs> really the goal. I used to want to write a great American novel, but now I'm just like, no, nah, I just want to put some like fucking Da Vinci Code trash out, see if that can get, you know, turned into some movie with maybe Tom <laughs> Hanks. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, because at the end of the day, and even if you're indie publishing, it's like you want you want the sales, you know, but you also like mm. it's a little bit more intimate when it's just you doing it because it's like you want people to like mm. enjoy this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got to make time to interact and stuff. Yeah. You know, like big publishing, it's it comes down to it. And I'm like, man, I spent a 
good four or five years so far trying to get into the publishing industry in New York to try and get like a fucking office job and hasn't materialized yet. Go fuck yourselves. But it, <laughs> it's, uh, it, that's the, the spirit. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day though, it's all sales. Like that's what yeah. they mm-hmm. do. Like they don't care. Like I love this. I love books. I love, I love books. I love stories. I love writers, but it's like, when at the end of the day, when these big publishing houses, it's sales, yeah. it's all marketing mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, like that's yeah. all it is. It's, well, it's like it's like everything. Though. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's every, every time you talk about I mean, it's cinema, like about money. The f- there's the budget of how much it costs to make the movie, and then add fifty to one hundred and fifty percent for fucking marketing. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, you know, I still have, the, and it's just yeah. so that you can't wipe your ass without seeing like fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. I just still have the, I have the innocence of I'd really like it if you guys read this story. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you do still you do get that with with sort of indie publishing as well though so mm-hmm. yeah. the, the way in which the amazon ecosystem is kind of oh, God, panned yeah. out is it's basically you've got yeah. authors competing against each other for bid prices for clicks mm. yes. For, yes. For, go into that. for adverts so you, you go into that wait go go more into that because i don't know enough about that okay so you've what? got yeah um so there's there's a kind of accepted process that you can kind of go through as far as self-publishing goes um typically it's write a series or two but don't start advertising the first don't start advertising the series until it's complete Mm -hmm. and part of that is because what you want is you want click through so if if it's if you're First book is like free or one ninety nine or whatever, and then the second book is three ninety nine, and then the third book is four ninety nine. And mm-hmm. what you want is you want to get to the point where you are the price that you're paying for your ads, and then again you get you're getting into this hole where now you're a copy editor, and you've mm-hmm. got to work on you've got to know what copy works, and you've got to test it, and and you've got to know what sort of images work with different copy and things like that, but. Basically, what you want them to do is you want to get to a point where if you're paying two pounds per click or 50 pence per click, whatever it is that you're paying, um, that yeah. then that or that 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 reader buys your first book and then reads through into your second book and then reads through into your third book. So even if you're paying one pound for the click to get them to read the first mm. book, by the time they've bought like books one, two, and three, then you kind of, you're making a profit. And okay. that's, that's the point that you want to get to really. Um, but there's not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. really any point in me advertising at the moment because I've only got Hypercage and Arvect and Hypercage is out there as the reader magnet to find readers in the first place to try yeah, and right, trickle right. people into reading Arvect, but I'm not advertising it anywhere. So it's not really visible to anyone or to any, like to anywhere else. So you got ad, well, you got I'm, ad. I'm advertising it right here. Yeah. <laughs> like we're kinda, give this man some fucking coins. Yeah, it's really. really like I, I feel that way with our stuff because I stopped giving money to all the platforms to advertise all the things. Yeah. And yeah. because there's no point. Like yeah. there yeah. comes a point where it doesn't do a lot. And yeah. we're, we don't put out enough like because it's just us doing it like the, the and whoever just who decides to hit us up to do stuff. And it's yeah, if you don't put out like the internet's good for a lot of things, but it's come to the point where like you just need to put like a huge stream of content out for no matter what mm-hmm. you do. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. not realistic sometimes yeah. in word yeah. of mouth. We, we could literally just be licking the microphone right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. We could do that on Twitch. We make a lot of money. I'd love to hear that. 
Was it um, AMSR? I'm ask you to do it. Yes, yes. AMSR microphones. Okay. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to turn this podcast into. Just licking, maybe licking each other. You know. <laughs> We're not close enough. Yeah, it'd be a little, be a little difficult. <laughs> Simmons would have difficulty. Oh man. Uh, just lick the, oh, man, I would have like acid like effects if I like licked coin ops's forehead a few times. <laughs> like, I just get the receipt. It was a good 90s, okay? It was a real good 90s. <laughs> just get the residual. I, I got through it. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, look, actually, that, I got to do cardio. That's what it is, is I sweat. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So you've got, uh, so you've got pay-per-click advertising on Amazon to, dri- mm-hmm. to drive people to your books. Then you've got Facebook. Same thing mm-hmm. there. Then you've got services like BookBub. So BookBub are emails that are sent to you, which give you discounted, let you know when books are discounted and you can advertise yeah. on BookBub as well. And then there's there's even on the emails that you receive from BookBub, there's adverts at the bottom. So you can advertise there or you can put out your own your own sort of release to kind of get uh, like a featured mm-hmm. deal and all that sort of stuff. And all of that sort of, again, drives um, readers to your book. And then you've got a lot of book promotion sites so if your books for free then they'll charge you like x for advertising their book on their mail list or if it's 2.99 they'll charge you more that sort of thing and again mm. it's it's just all these different ways of basically pumping money into marketing side of things and yeah. getting readers into your books you've got there's there's a lot of different um a lot of different parts to it and then you've got like really specific strategies like taking your mailing list and then importing that into facebook and then it'll do like a look it'll do a look-alike audience based on your mail list and find cross-reference everyone who's on your mail list by their email address with everyone who actually exists on facebook finds out what they like uses their personal data to then identify other people who are like that person and you can use that as like a marketing pool to then start sending uh you know, targeted ads to and things like that. So you've got all that sort of really deep Ugh. sort of proper hardcore strategy to, to it as well. And you can get right into all that sort of stuff. But at the moment I'm ignoring all of that and just <laughs> I was gonna say right, I'm just right <laughs> just yeah. just sounds mildly invasive. But, oh, but it's like, it it's like wait a minute, now you must be stopped. I mean useless my education was. You were supposed to be the one <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry to shatter the illusions. No, but that, no. that's when you get into it's, the nitty gritty. That it is yeah. at the end of the day, it's digital marketing yeah. in order to oh, sell yeah. your books. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and all of the trappings that come with that, and you know, checkboxes, yeah. and basically give me all of your personal data so I can I can find who who you are and other people who might be like you who might buy my book that sort of stuff. Yeah, what yeah. a world we live in, right? It's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm dreading the moment we have the meeting where they say, "All right, you need to you need to open a TikTok, and every post is you cracking an egg on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> you're in a different room. You're outside. You're wearing different shirts, but that's all it is for three seconds, and then that's it. And I'm like, all right, I guess we need to get some eyes on the website. Or... Exactly. No, it's Man. just going to be that. It's the, the low. It's going to be like low stakes jackass for me. Basically, right? yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, we're gonna have to figure out a way to to market to the Zoomers guys. Apparently, oh, the yeah, Zoomers, no, don't, uh, right. Zoomers don't uh, respond well to advertising, which is good. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's good job. It's gonna be difficult, like, but yeah. it's like I think everything you just said, Craig, kind of like 
<laughs> I feel like it invalidated my education because none of this shit existed. Yeah, right. like, none yeah. of it none of it existed yeah, no, it's a totally I, different game yeah, it's like, like if you have a product trying to insert it into a market someplace in some ways and, it's good though because it's yeah you, you could just do this shit yourself like yeah you, yeah i yeah. mean well we've no, always it's great yeah. we've always had like i um like cyberpunk media that's like oh i'm just gonna pull up this guy's info from the database quote unquote uh right. and then you know you suddenly know everything about them and <laughs> Right. How many times have we really talked about how long does it take for us to get there? Like, what are the steps for us yeah. to get to that point? Well, how many times are looking at it right now? Yeah, exactly. Got the Apple Watch Dick Tracy phone shit going on. Yeah, now. we got that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. How many times did I have to look up some asshole's LinkedIn and just there? It's yeah. like, it's dude, like, I knew we were in trouble with Russian dash cams. I was like, this is fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's some crazy <laughs> shit going on in Russia, though. Well, there's that. There's this one that's the opposite. It's this bridge somewhere. It's called like eleven eight. If you've ever seen it, it's just like eleven feet eight inches, and yeah. all it is is this bridge where trucks just fucking bang right into it. And there's just this. It's been a webcam on it, and they post on Twitter like every time a truck fucking hits this thing and it shears the top of the trailer off or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding. It's like oh, we're in trouble, man. Like if I if I can sit there and watch a live feed of that for more than five minutes, you know we've lost. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's over. I don't need AR. Well, Look at me. I'm looking at a bridge in Pennsylvania yeah, I was getting talk. fucking. Well, oh, go ahead. <laughs> what? Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to bring the conversation back around to, you know, augmented reality, because as I mentioned earlier, there's like, let me see if I can count on more than one hand, the, uh, the, the cyberpunk media that directly addresses um, augmented reality, because it's in a lot of like, especially video games. Um, yeah. It's also in altered yes. carbon too. You know, if well, anything, anything, if anything that has a HUD, you know, that's, yeah. that's augmented reality. Um, <laughs> but the specific media that i'm thinking of that like tackles augmented reality and why it's probably going to be scary is like <laughs> well there's dental coil which is actually not really that scary at all it's just about a bunch of middle schoolers who have augmented reality glasses um mm. which you know it's not even it's not that bad um I, it's an anime by the way um mm. i but um virtual verse let's see yep uh, I was going to say, there's that there's that thing in one in the one meeting, uh, Craig. You sent us. It was like what hyper reality. Yeah, yeah. That Kaichi Matsuda one. Yeah, that is that is, that that is, is proper fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, didn't, I mean, you really... didn't prepare me for that at all. Okay, because I, I went and I put it on the big, you know, the, the TV. Yeah. I, I turned up the volume, and it really, man, I love the way it starts falling apart. Yeah. That is lovely. Yeah. That is no. lovely shit. I mean, if you if you just need a primer on augmented reality, the short film Hyper Reality is definitely the way to go. It's but, profoundly uh, fucked up. I appreciate it. It's, it's like in six Mexico. Awesome minutes. Yeah, yeah. it's six incredible <laughs> minutes yeah. of yeah. just. I like the Mary what statue. What overlay? Yeah. That, so I oh, mean, all of it. Yeah, it's fucking so too obviously. Much. Yeah. yeah, like we have. We obviously haven't really. It, it's strange, but, you know, people in this reality haven't talked much about augmented reality and how maybe it's because we already kind of have it with the Internet because that well, really Pokemon Go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's but like I'm the just... most widely distributed AR like in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm just talking about like, you know, uh, media and everything like that. That augments our reality. The information yeah. that we're that, you know, we're bringing in from outside sources 
uh, it changes the way that we view the world, but it's not like the screen is your eye at yeah. this point. Well, yeah, it's not like what you're perceiving has been overlaid with a preferred scene. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, but no. now that I'm saying it, it's like that's probably the biggest danger to us right now is the fact that we don't have so much media flooding the market mm -hmm. telling us that, you know, augmented reality can be terrifying. I mean, don't but, worry. Mm -hmm. Zuck Wait, is going to... No. What? Yeah, we there will. was an hour-long fucking meta video yeah. like a week ago that we talked about. Don't worry, you know, we will. He's he's it's getting there. You know, don't don't act like it's over. I mean, these oh, yeah, dudes are. No, we're only getting started. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, these dudes just keep trying to force bad ideas on us until we're like, fine. Don't worry. You know, don't just... worry. Everything will be monetized. Everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Ugh. Welcome right. to Meta. And I gotta say, too, Craig, <laughs> you you're. Your writing is also very strong in that there's always a reason for everything that happens. Like I was, <laughs> I was impressed with, uh, like, on the surface level, you might ask yourself, why would somebody want to put a bunch of chips into their head, like a bunch of non-organic material into their skulls? But then you put you uh, you point out that at some point this becomes the um, uh, and I've had this idea before, you know, ever since the, the pandemic started, but uh, like you make it so that the RVECT is the only way that people can essentially download vaccines to uh, <laughs> to um, mm -hmm. pandemics that may may or may not be ravaging the world. Um, yeah. In the book, it's Ebola, right? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Ebola, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... And once you that, put that into context, you make you make a really good and solid case as to why people would start doing this, like why yeah. people would start augmenting themselves like that. What, I mean, when that? I when I was eight, I dropped a brick on my head, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all sand, right? Like it just it turned oh out. God. I turned out great. All I got was an imaginary friend. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's 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 kind of how I, how I wanted to approach just the whole the whole novel was make sure that make sure that everything had a reason and there was no gaping plot holes mm -hmm. and um, and it, it all came from from that what if that's why I'm dying for you to finish because I really want to be able to go through it with you and, show, and so basically show like aha. So now that you've finished, I want you. I, want, I basically want to show you, like, okay. So it started off by, what if this happens, and then, mm -hmm. well, then that happens. Well, in that mm -hmm. case, then that happens, and it was all connect. It was connecting it all together and making sure yeah. that it all fitted. And that's what I can't because you know, I don't want to spoil the plot for you or anyone else. It's kind of right. really go into. I can't explain why the things in the book are happening because it it will spoil it. Um, no, yeah. that's, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, no, don't. I can already see that you've got several like you had a thread. It diverges. Now I have to care, you know, care about these two yeah. things, and then it keeps splitting. It's you have a lot of places. So many layers. Yeah, yeah. And then and then there's just like a crazy little uh, 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 stowaway moment where I that that was where I stopped reading, and I was just like, Jesus, fuck, man, are you okay? Like that was. <laughs> Because I so, totally saw everything about what was happening. I was just like, I would do that. Like, that's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fun stuff, man. I, it's, uh, I had a bunch of questions about process, but like you pretty much answered them all. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, over the course of this, it's just because that's, you know, 
that's what it is. It's like discipline and, you know, pushing and, and not being precious with your work, yeah. you know, like definitely being willed, willing to, you know, run it over to Coles a bunch of times until you yeah. get it right. You've got, to you open got it. It. you've got to open yourself up to that criticism and understand that you're going through this process to make sure that the story is, is as good as it can be when it comes out mm-hmm. the other end. Yeah. And all those people are there to help you and help the story. And right. like Shadowlink said, you know, it's, it's not personal. It's not, it's not an attack on yourself. It's an attack no. on the story. And right. Sometimes it's difficult to distance the two because you're the one who made it and it oh, yeah. feels like right. it's part of you. But at the same time, right. you've got to let go and you've got to just accept that. Got to kill everything. your darlings. Exactly. Kill yeah. your darlings. Yep. And I mean, yep. as far as killing your darlings go. So, so basically what happened was I finished the novel and it was 175,000 words. Nice. Okay. Then I sent it to Harry and he was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so... And this this isn't a spoiler because I had to t- but because I took it all out. I think I just I, I, while I was reading it, and this this used to happen when I used to make music. I used to get influenced by the sort of stuff that I was listening to at the time, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. kind of kind of derailed from what I should have been focusing on. And mm-hmm. I'm, get, I'm getting much better at it. Is just ex- like my short stories don't suffer from this at all. But even the 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 sequel to Arvect, I basically sent it sent. I did like a 40 chapter summary of mm-hmm. both books back to back, sent it to Harry. Nice. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, back by chapter seven, this has lost its way. You need to rethink. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh. So, so, but basically what happened with Arvect was, um, he was like, you've written two stories. And I was reading, oh, mm-hmm. uh, it's Peter. Oh, it's the samurai. It's the like Mecca samurai book. It's the, hmm. the kind of Not spiritual. No, no. It's the spiritual follow-up to, Man in the High Castle, but it's focused oh. on Japan. Oh, I'll have to look it up. But it, but it basically it's got gigantic robots fighting each other. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. I can that's probably yeah. I can probably work some of that into into this. And uh, yeah, it just didn't work. It just went. Right. It just went yeah. totally. So from from being focused on like individual characters, it basically scaled out into this huge war. And uh, yeah, it just didn't work. Um, and yeah, so, yeah. but that meant that meant I had to cut. And I also had a lot of chapters from the perspective of one of the secondary characters mm-hmm. and it it gave basically like i can see how but harry's like well, it gives you the totally the wrong perspective on that character and you almost need to chop them chapters out so it's more of a mystery about what's happening so in the mm-hmm. end it went from being 175,000 words to being 100,000 which oh, nice. that's which, which, which yeah like yeah <laughs> When it took, You're like, do you want do you want me to old yellow room or are you gonna? <laughs> <laughs> so that's like you know, it's it's probably a year of writing that's just oh, in oh the bin. God, yeah. Um. So, but that's that's what you've got to accept that it's either going to be like a completely like it's going to be two. Basically, you said it's two books in one, and you need to decide whether it's a cyberpunk mystery or mm-hmm. whether it's like giant robots Epic. hitting each other yeah. in yeah. a cyberpunk universe and, that yeah. and i was like well no no, com- no notes no notes <laughs> like it <laughs> glad you didn't send that to me <laughs> like we need to get rid of this arvec shit tell me more about the giant robots <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was the thing as well is and to be honest i've actually stopped using beta readers because that mm. that was part of the process as well. It's like you finish the first draft, 
you send it to your editor, you get like, you know, you know, it's getting some good feedback from Harry. And then, and then he was like, you've got to, you've got to cut this stuff out. And I'm like, well, what if readers like it? And he's like, hmm. okay, well, why didn't you try that? And the thing is that I sent, <laughs> I sent that full 175,000 words to like five of my good readers and they all came back mm-hmm. saying, yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. Yeah. And, but then you're just thinking, oh, but maybe, maybe you shouldn't be the one that's helping me decide that maybe I need to decide on my own. Yeah. And then like, as far yeah. as process goes, like the most frustrating thing is sending a story to a beta reader. And then mm-hmm. one of them's like, it's amazing. The other one's like, it's just terrible. And they, yeah. and, and one yeah. of them's like, you need, you, you can, you can make this better by doing this. And the other one's like, oh, you need to fix this book by doing that. And the two mm-hmm. things are completely in opposition. Yeah. And you know, right. I've, I've got no idea what to do. So uh, should I make, should I make the shit version better oh, for the reader that doesn't like it? Or should I make the version that the reader does like Mm-hmm. better it's like and I, now i've kind of almost completely stepped away from that process and, and just well, almost taking it on my own thing. shoulders and just saying right okay i think me and me and my me and harry between ourselves probably know what's best for the story and if people don't like yeah. it then fuck it that's like yeah. the Snyder and, and, cut. And that's another thing too is that <laughs> i think everybody everybody has like a different idea of what it means to be a reader yeah um like yeah. what kind of feedback you know like maybe you got a friend that doesn't like want to diss your shit and they're just going to be like no it was really fine and there's something that's really broken in it but they'll never tell you and that's yeah. like that's not helpful yeah but then you know like i don't know for my part what i always try to do is like if i get some i try to look at like does it work you know is and I, I, I'm playing by their rules, not mine, because like that does that doesn't do me any good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, and think of how many books you've read in your life that are just, you know, from like Flannery O'Connor to like, who knows, uh, you know, Gibson to the the what's his name, uh, the guy that wrote uh, House of Leaves, you know, which is like <laughs> oh, some yeah. bonkers yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Like, there's just there's a thousand different ways to put the words yeah. on the page. You just got to get from the first one to the next one to the end. Yeah, you know, I make it sound real fucking reductive and simple. <laughs> we know, we know, goddamn well it ain't. You know, we we, we got an hour and sixteen minutes talking about how it ain't. But like, yeah. it's just, it's it it is more an endurance game, and it is like you, you getting the first draft done is literally like ten percent of the process. Yeah, if, if that's, yeah, you know, yeah. You got to know that totally. going into it. And, and to demystify that for a writer, I think is an extremely important thing. You know, yeah. like immediately. Yeah, because I did spend a lot of time before actually writing as well of just doing research not only onto the story and the world building but about the writing process and I did actually have an original blog post up about my process for even getting to that point so it was even stuff right. like do I need a prologue or what right. why is it when do prologues work and when hmm. do they not typically they don't they're just info mm-hmm. dumps yeah. sometimes yeah. they do really work but they've got to be really really good how do yeah. you write a strong female character like you know I'm, yeah i don't want to yeah. be i don't want to be appearing on uh, men writing women's subreddit uh yeah. that's for sure <laughs> oh man <laughs> so, oh my god did you did you see that one a few days or like in the last week that ended with like zorro <laughs> oh buds you gotta you gotta look up men rating women and, and just like zorro and and look that up it's i because it's a lot it's it's a few sentences yeah, but sure. I, it, as i read it a little bit of blood started coming out of my nose and <laughs> when i got to the like zorro part i cried um 
I'm gonna have to find that. Yeah, but it's it, cool. I'll find it and send it to you afterwards. And it's but it was good God. So yeah, so it was just it was just doing research and uh, into like all parts of the actual writing process, like how to write mm. a scene, how to write action, like what should you know? Because even even though you know, I've been reading since I think. You know, I used to read like loads when I was younger, and I think that's mm. what that's what's kind of helped yeah. helped kind of set you up in later life. As yeah. I know, I was saying that you know, typically nowadays, only read for absolute pleasure. So it's basically Peter Elf Hamilton from a space opera point of view, or Warhammer Forty K. And <laughs> but yeah. back at, back, you know, back when I was younger, I used to read. You know, I used to read my my dad's Dick Francis and Alison McLean novels, and mm-hmm. you know, even reading like some of the books that my mum would like like and stuff like that and reading really really wide when I was younger and then oh, it's yeah. got kind of narrow and narrow as I've got as I've got older yeah but it happens to us yeah. I think it yeah I think it does it does I... it does help give you that that breadth because yeah I think because then when you're doing research and how to write all the different facets of the writing process you've got that experience to kind of draw upon yeah. and you can mm. you kind of think and oh yeah you know I you know you've got like strong female characters all I've, I've read strong female characters before so i know what to do and what not to do but you've got that you've got the kind of the stories in your head that you've enjoyed from when you were younger as well you know yeah there, you know you just made me remember something that i had completely forgotten there was a there was an author i want to say it was like in the 80s or 90s um last name Greeley, but he was a priest and he wrote romance novels right (laughs) and he was he was a bestseller like he was a big deal and but he wrote this one and i remember seeing it it was just at the fucking you know we're at the end of the street at the 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 pharmacy you know back when they still had comic books on a rack (laughs) and there there was a book and it was called god's game and i looked at it and basically this dude basically predicted the Sims because he was talking about this computer program with these like fully mm. realized like people inside of it. Yeah. And the people who were the users and the operators were like having moral quandaries. Like it wasn't even a romance book. He, this motherfucker wrote a sci-fi. Goddamn <laughs> I've been meaning to like track that book down to see if I, you know, cause I was young when I read it. Like I was like maybe 12 to 13 or something like that. Cause it was just like one of those like, ah, fuck it. I'll see what this is about. I read it in like two days. It was yeah. fascinating. Like what it made me think of, this is back in the days of even like I think we still just had a, like a Commodore sixty four mm-hmm. might have been the most advanced thing going on. So for me to think that there was a civilization alive made me not want to turn off my hard drive at all, you know, like the or the disk drive at all because you know, <laughs> those things don't have an OS, and I didn't want to kill an entire species. Like it was just weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got yelled at a lot when I was younger. Oh man. Well, when you're a priest, you know, you have a lot going on. You got to let out the frustration out somehow. Yeah, but this this book's surprising. I don't, know. I don't want to go on about it. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm like, I kind of want to look it up again now. Like, it was- yeah, God Game by Andrew M. Greeley. Thank you. Yes, that guy. Yeah, he wrote a bunch of fucking romance books and then, boop, threw this one out in the middle of it all. <laughs> that was the one I read. Well, you got to take your <laughs> from like all over, like you said. So like, oh, yeah, you could take bits and pieces. But yeah, uh, think, do we have any yeah. more questions or... No, I'm uh, I'm just yeah, getting was... barked at by the dogs who insist upon being fed at the moment. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess my last they question technically is, have a half hour. My yeah. last uh, augmented reality question is: Where do you think that the future of AR is going to go, Craig? Uh, I mean, I mean, the reason I wrote the, with the Arvex being built in your head is because I think that's as far as form factors go. That's mm. surely that's surely the future. I mean. 
I can't I can't imagine I mean maybe the will, but you know, everyone wandering around in actual glasses. I don't know, probably maybe not. So, maybe, maybe not. So eventually maybe it is all just built into your head and because yeah. then it's then it's completely seamless. But then, you know, cautionary tale. Yeah. Don't build the torment nexus. <laughs> 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 uh, I heard that. I just turned my volume down because uh, uh, Francis is now howling at something for some reason. Yeah, I heard that. It's. Uh, I'll just keep it up because it's fun. It's but look, fun I'll because uh, there was this thing that I seen on Twitter. Here, I'll quickly drop it into the chat. I mean, this isn't going to work for like the podcast, but it was basically someone had a Snapchat filter of people going up an escalator, and they're just pointing the camera at everyone going up the escalator, and whenever <laughs> when everyone looks. When they look up at the camera, it puts a smile on their face. <laughs> <laughs> and some people are like, Man. some people in the comments on Twitter are like, oh, yes, it's really cool. And other people are like, this is the most disgraceful, dystopian thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you need, you need oh. to read my book. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, there was, a, there was this, this thing that happened like right when the plague hit where there were just people who didn't know how to use various you know video chat things mm -hmm. and oh, one of yeah. them was like a like a lawyer and he had a kitten filter off He's oh old. yeah see that <laughs> was guy's like, it turns out a guy's like a just a, like a, some racist piece of shit but like he just was like i don't know how to get this to stop working and he's a little kitten <laughs> and i'm like i'm dead the unintended consequences of this comedy yeah, is that, killing me. that that checks out that sounds about right i mean if there oh. was somebody who didn't know how to work a snapchat filter would probably be that kind of douchebag oh it was all of that all yeah, of that was was, it, was, yeah. it was phenomenal like just seeing people struggle with I, this thing. i don't know <laughs> I, yeah, i'm like I, a, i'm like a like a fan of like fucking 25 percent of it because like that, that's where you get your russian dash cam videos and people you know shearing the tops of their trucks off yeah. on bridges and shit but like then to go beyond and fuck with it. Like, I, I can't go on TikTok. It just makes me anxious like a motherfucker. And then, you know, yeah. as I discussed before, like what they're doing with the reels, you know, on, on you know, uh, Twitter's got it now and fucking like Facebook's got it now. Like everybody's just doing the same shit. Might as well just pick a platform and just say goodbye to half your friends, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that point. But like this whole thing, like I don't want to manipulate my face. This is just what I look like. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not big on putting filters on my face as much as I would like to look younger. You know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely utility to a lot of the things that we have as far as technology is concerned. But then there's just some shit where I'm like 1000 percent Luddite. Like, yeah, like if I had a HUD, I'd be OK with that. If I had a, a HUD that couldn't be hacked specifically, like, uh, right. I mean, you know, because, yeah, some of this shit is actually very uh, like, well, remember me. Remember me has kind of an AR feature in it um, mm -hmm. where you'll pass mm -hmm. by like uh like a robot or something and then like it, it specs will start listing next to it um yeah or you'll um oh the division yeah the division. i mean you, you essentially has that. interface through with your reality in real time right. through augmented reality you know you're talking which, about that and i'm thinking about uh how <laughs> i have nerve damage so my eyes aren't quite it take it I, my body has to do like active effort to line my eyes. So if I like zone mm -hmm. out or like think start like basically the muscles of my face loosen, my eyes start going in two different directions. And mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about how a HUD would work with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, it, it'll come, it'll come to you at about page 180. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll also reference Hardcore Henry for this. Oh one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, am I gonna oh, get like great film? Yeah. Oh, God, hell yeah. <laughs> oh no. So I'm just thinking yeah. about that of like, <sighs> how does a hub really work? Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Is it like yeah. over? Well, I, I, guess I we'll did find see. Out. There was some story about the first uh, AR uh, contact lenses, which I, I swear to God, I see one of these stories. I like remember that. 10, 12 months. Google yeah. Glass. <laughs> yeah, we're not Google Glass, but we're talking like contact lenses. You put these directly on your eye. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, here are, here's, here's, here's the mutation that allows me to give you four middle fingers. Because uh, <laughs> I don't want that shit. I don't. I didn't like contacts to begin with. I certainly don't want them to be showing me fucking ads for Hardee's when I can't actively get to one. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's the sort of research that I did as far as the form factors goes. It was just like a logical mm. conclusion. So you've got like big bulky glasses into smaller glasses mm-hmm. into contact lenses into I don't know. And then I mean, there's, I've seen some crazy stuff where it's not necessarily glasses that you wear, but it's like almost like a frame that you wear. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it beams the lasers directly into your retina. And it, yeah. but it was just it was just taking it one step further. And okay, well if just go to the optic nerve, fuck them. Yeah, well, exactly. But yeah. I mean, because <laughs> some of it was just because well, I need it to be. It can't just be glasses because you can't just if you just take them off, then the book itself yeah. doesn't work. So it yeah, needs to be why, right, right, That's why right. I thought you know dental coil didn't work. But like I guess right. part of the point is that these are kids and they all have very active imaginations. Right. What's interesting in that in that one is uh, how they use um, how they'll sometimes use the glasses to conceal things. Like they will mm. change uh, they'll change like the architecture of a building so a door won't be there. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like that. That, that, yeah. that, that's oh, yeah. touched on in your book. I'm like, yeah, that's scary as shit. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's basically what X does. That's the instances. So yeah. The, the, yeah, the second yeah. chapter is where obviously. She, tr- she or he, depending on how she wants to manipulate it at any particular yeah. given moment in time. Right, uh, right. So that's how she manages to get Tolan to somewhere hidden in the uh, in the kind of like the train station by yeah. aug- augmenting his reality. So he thinks he's waiting at the at the platform, but he's not <laughs> right. actually. He's in like a service tunnel where nobody's going to hear him die. Yeah, because the light. So yeah. It's all about that sort of stuff. <laughs> I had to read and, that part twice because I wasn't yeah. sure what, what just happened. <laughs> yeah. When, when we were getting to that part, I was like, "Oh, you motherfucker!" That yeah, was, like, that was yeah, that was a very that was a really was a hook. moment. Yeah, I think. Was. And, God, the the beginning too. Like the. Did we touch on uh, brain hacking at all? Like, I really enjoy yeah, that, the brain hacking bit. How? Oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I thought that was also very creative, and I also really like. I just, man, it's very the way that you wrote the first, <laughs> like that first uh, scene was definitely a big hook because it was a little bit like Casino Royale, but then you know you also yeah. have all this high tech shit going on, <laughs> like. The part where you know you you basically turned uh, the exterior the the uh, city street into a uh, into a like top down video game was mm-hmm. yeah. was really clever mm-hmm. I think and I I also and really those... enjoy all the the scene work that you do uh, like especially like turning that uh, that street into a uh, into like just a beach um, right at the beginning mm-hmm. yeah yeah. 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 I'm gonna that go. Was, that was the, oh, I think you might have been gone because I thought it was like a, where, that was where I said it was like the Guns and Roses video. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Bit. Well, that was another thing. Without being a spoiler, I like what you did uh, when uh, Tannis uh, quote 
goes to Paris for the first time. That entire sequence is fantastic. Uh, right. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm just yeah. going to pile on the ass kissing right here. That's some damn yeah, good right. <laughs> We're not going to talk about anything <laughs> other than that scene, but outside yeah. of it. But yes, that scene. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Man. That was a, that was I, that's the one where I was just like, okay, now we just added a hundred million to the budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do it on CGI nowadays. It's fine, like completely yeah. seamless switch from VR to AR. Words, words. Yeah, I mean, mean once, once we start seeing CGI in real life, that's when AR. Nope, will that's start when I'm like, nah, really I'm fucking scary. Mm, that's nope, when I'm, I'll I'm, be like, nope, peace. Yep, yeet, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go start here. my cult in the compound. In the woods. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm even... gonna I'm gonna go move to like very very <laughs> northern Canada. Man, I get I get freaked out by that one uh, sign. I think it's in New York City. It's on the corner of a building. It's a very high res, <laughs> yeah, like TV. Uh-huh. Yep, I know. Yeah. And it always looks like it's caved in. And there's like a kitten in it that's the size of like a four story four stories of the building. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's something and it, said. it puts like a yeah. false edge on it. Well, yeah, that you know, fucking projection mapping will fuck yeah. your brain mm-hmm. up. Yeah, like if you ever see that shit live, it's like, how did you fold the building like that? You know, like you know, you know, it can't happen, but you're seeing. Yeah, it. yeah, and it's yeah, uh, yeah. we're not yeah. far. Can't, yeah, can't wait to get because I've my brain is already kind of doubling. I'm doubling down on the AR stuff in the second the second boot. I can't <laughs> wait to kind of bring get, it get yeah. into some of the stuff in. Even some of the, and again, this is like the the whole cautionary tale bit, but in the prequels, the sort of stuff I'm exploring is the things that can, the things that the hackers can do before X buttons down the whole web to make hacking, to make hacking like, um, not, not possible. Viable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've right, got things right, right. like Where, hack, yeah. hackers doing denial of ser- denial of sight attacks. So, mm. oh yeah, someone, right, right. You mentioned that yeah. actually. Yeah. Or so, that. yeah. So it it just mentions it as a thing that the hackers are doing. But in one the, in the pre one of the prequels, it kind of goes into a bit more detail, and it's the sort of thing where, well, if you've got this technology built into your brain and the technology controls everything that you can see, then you can just switch off someone's sight. And Ooh, unless yeah. they pay a, yeah. unless they pay a ransom, then they're not going to be able to get the same. Oh, God, you <laughs> thought that internet connected cock rings were bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. That's that's yeah. Mm. No, no, that's that's sick shit. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I I've got a bunch of ideas that involve alligator clips and nipples. So. <laughs> <laughs> Send them across. I'll uh, I'll work them into the sequel somehow. One hundred percent. All right. I think I think that's all yeah. we had. So thank you so much, Craig, for coming on. Like, I've yeah, always, thank I, you, thank you, Craig. It yeah. was great meeting you, man. Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, thanks for having us on. It's been it's just been really cool being able to talk about this sort of stuff to people. So thank you very yeah. much for having me. Yeah. Is there anything oh, yeah. uh, anything you want to plug? Buy all my shit. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna put a link up to your uh, your stuff uh, in the show notes. Yeah. Do you have uh, like a fan website or not a fan website, but like an author website or like a Twitter? Yeah, it's just Craig Lee Gordon Lee like T scum, not like Leia. Thanks. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's just CraigLeeGordon.com. But uh, what? Because last time I talked. We talked. I said I would send. I'll, I'll give you some links for people who, 
if you are thinking about getting into writing and you want to have a little bit of a peek behind the curtain to see what happens with like where an idea could come from, what a first draft looks like, what sort of feedback you would get from an editor, that sort of thing, then I've got a couple of special editions that I typically only give to my Patreon subscribers, but I'll, I'll send you the link so people can kind of have a look at that sort of stuff as well. Nice. nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. No well, problem. He's got a Patreon, so there's that. Oh yeah, did I we, mention that? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do ours too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's just patreon.com slash Craig Lee Gordon again. Lee like T. Lee like T. Lee like T. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I feel bad yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a Patreon. It's yes. patreon.com slash neon dystopia. Thank you, everybody who's been uh donating so far. Like big shout out to you guys. Oh my god. I never yes. knew I never knew we would just make that from doing dumb shit. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> So thank you all so yeah, much. It's really awesome. Yes. Yeah. It's extremely wonderful. Uh also, yeah, we've got a we've got a we've got a Discord. There will be a yeah. link at the bottom. It has blown up. Yeah, um, it, I, yes. Man, it is we, full of some lovely people. Least, yeah, yeah. They're all really fucking cool. Yeah, you're all like, beautiful. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. You're gonna see Seriously. some cool shit. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Just in like the what's the one tab we have for clothing is uh, uh artificial threads. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> So and shout out to everybody in there. I don't comment much because I literally just wear t-shirts and jeans. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. but I fucking love what you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so dope. dude, man. Less than less than zero has so much shit. And yeah, bud. That uh, Zoran, right? The guy from I France. Think so. Oh man, yes. like Good so much. Lord. Man, big big shout out to you guys. Like your your I'm your proud. craft ethic is insane. Like yeah, you're all, you're all so much cooler than all three of us. <laughs> yeah, we have reds making shit like everybody's making shit we got the fucking neural cartographer carving one of the greatest pumpkins in the history of pumpkin carving yeah. so like it's yeah you gotta you gotta see what's going yeah, so on in the, there it's a mad up at the discord yeah. Us, yeah hit us up at the twitter <laughs> if you want to con- yeah i got twitter yep we do got twitter we got twitter neon dystopia and for this podcast it is it's twitter at L zero W L one F three T H E. Yes. And that's the way it is. Um, <laughs> and hey, there's also uh, Facebook slash meta shit. Sure, we're yeah, but like, who cares? It's, it's, I, it I, I update, um, update our page. You could find stuff on there. Yeah. You can like it if you would really, if you like to, but honestly, the best place to reach us is on Twitter. Yeah, yep. Twitter or Discord. Twitter or Discord. So. And then, and then uh, I, I do the I do the, the radio show too the, on yeah. mixlr.com. So mixlr.com slash going off some Gillicade. Link will be down there. Usually Tuesdays from 9 to midnight Eastern. And the same thing on Thursdays where we do the countdown to the episode dropping at midnight. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in honor of our guest, I think uh, one of these two nights is going to be a lot of techno. So, uh, <laughs> word. Oh, 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 I can't better. make any. Uh, it's got to be properly banging promises. Promises. Like at least uh, at least 150 BPM, like nosebleed oh. stuff. <laughs> well then, you have set a challenge. I gotta go dig through my crates. Oh, I'm man. I'm operating at the like 118 to 125. You know, when I'm feeling like I had some coffee. <laughs> but no, I can I could go uh, I could go pump moaner up to 144. Hmm. Possibly, I don't know. Sure. Gonna, oh, you just yeah. now I have a homework assignment. Um, <laughs> also, Craig has also done a wonderful uh, article on the Dystopia on acid techno. It's still one of right, my favorite right. articles. Oh, uh, yeah. 
uh, yeah. seek that out. I love that article. Yeah, I, love I fucking ne- I just now put together article. that that was you, son of a bitch. Yeah, Shit, I didn't realize that either. But yeah, no, that was a, that was a very good article. Yes, yeah, really thorough. Seek, it's good. Seek that out, and uh, I don't know, guys. Don't get your brains hacked. Don't get your head sawed yeah. open. Yeah. It might not yeah. might not be anything you can do about it, though. It might just happen. Ah, oh, yeah. It might already be going on. Shit. Yeah, could be happening right now. <laughs> oh no! Quietly, <laughs> 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 <laughs>